welcome to yet another edition of Bookalicious, and we're already a twelfth of the way into 2024. I had to think about that then. Uh, Twelve months in the year, aren't there? Uh, is that right? Look, I've got Laura and Holly with me. Hi. Hi. <laughs> but, Thank heavens, that wasn't a good start, was it? I'm not quite sure. We're in February anyway, so uh, we've been a, a tiny little bit absent from uh, uh, the podcast, and that's all my fault, just life, you know. And uh, uh, but, but we're back, we're back, and we will keep this. We've got some nice things coming up. We've got Paul Clifton, local Wrexham author and poet, with his new collection of poetry, and Lara and I will be cornering him in Wrexham Library in a couple of weeks, so we'll have an interview there. And um, we're building up to Wrexham Carnival of Words, which is just around the corner. And if we if we get our act together, Lara, we will be doing some recordings and trying to give people who live far away a flavour of what it's like to be in Wrexham during that week where... I'd never really stand or sit still for too long. But tonight, we're just going to catch up because um, uh, last time we met in person, for the first time in person, uh, what a wonderful, that was a wonderful episode. I say it, it was a wonderful episode because we it, we just talked about loads of things and uh, especially Moomins and Wombles. And we had some correspondence from Pat Bracewell in California. So Pat has written to us on a number of occasions, but this time she particularly loved uh, our episode uh, and had never heard of Wombles or Moomins. You're very welcome, Pat. Your life will never be the same again. And tonight, I'm going to add to that. So brace yourself. We're going to go back further than Wombles and Moomins, and we're going to talk about gnomes. Okay? I mean, not just your garden gnomes. We're going to be talking about little grey men living in the forest. I haven't completely lost my marbles. You should see the faces of Lara and Holly on Zoom just at this moment thinking... Here he goes again. But anyway, honestly, I just want to actually, while I'm mentioning Pat, Pat's email was just fabulous. It, it, uh, it's quite a, a long email, but she was particularly engaged with what we said about audiobooks. And she came up with some great recommendations. So I will share these with you. She particularly likes, she, she says she selects audiobooks often by narrator, not necessarily by the author, because she's got one or two favourites. Um, so uh, she's highlighting uh, The Milkman by Anna Burns um, and the narrator, she says because the narrator's got a wonderful Irish brogue and makes it a fantastic listening experience uh, fantastic book as well <laughs> one of my favourites yeah, yeah, I, I've not actually read it, did it win the Booker Prize Lara? It did actually win the Booker Prize Paul and it was a book that I hadn't read and people had recommended it to me and it, it's, it's absolutely fantastic but I heard that audio version yet, so I'd, I'd check that out as well myself. What else does she... Oh, yes, she, and I think you've read this as well, Lara. Um, uh, Zora Neale uh, Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God. Um, yes. And yes. Um, she said that's one of her favourites. Doesn't mention who the narrator is. And a recent listen was um, Anne Patchett's Tom Lake, read by Meryl Streep. And she says, oh, my goodness, she is absolutely wonderful. Ooh. And uh, she felt like... Uh, she was in the room where the scenes in the book took place um, and it's not as if I was being read to, it's just experiencing the events as they happened, which is absolute, that's, that actually 
gets to the nub of the difference between an audio book and just reading the book yourself it can actually enhance it can't it you know yeah so well thank you for that pat i will put those on our bookshelf for tonight obviously i'll put it on uh, put the books up but uh, if i can find the narrators and the, the links to the particular uh, audio books i'll put those in as well the main thing was she just loved us chatting about moomins and wombles and do they share dna and uh, she also loved us talking about hyperion which i have now finished that's hyperion by dan simmons um and that well i i'm lost for words uh, <laughs> with that book because i oh, just go and read it folks just go and read it it's a book like that i've like i've never read before so uh and laura i've been really yeah. inspired Sorry. Have you? Yeah, yeah, well, you've been inspired, but you've not read it yet, no? So, well, I've, I haven't read that one yet, but part of my module, I've been doing, like, science fiction books. Oh, I'm reminded of this, because I think the copy you had had, like, SF Masterworks on it, and I've been reading, I just finished The Word for World is Forest by Ursula K. Le Guin, and it made yeah. me think, like, I'm really in a sci-fi mood right now, so... Yeah, Great. Go, go get Hyperion then, uh, Holly, <laughs> definitely. Um, and Lara, the last little bit of uh, Pat's um, email is just for you, because uh, I think you talked about uh, some some of the um, feedback you had um, from um, a fellow writer about how can you write as a, a, a male character if you're a woman. Uh, and she said, maybe we just need to choose the people we asked to uh, yes. <laughs> give <Yes>. feedback. <laughs> and it's a fair comment. So she's definitely, yeah. she said, have they never heard of Harry Potter? Just saying. Well, <laughs> let, let, let's, let's just say that this person, it was it was actually quite funny because when, you, when you're a creative writer anyway, it's quite scary to ask other people for feedback. And the whole room... And the whole room reacted the, exactly the same way as I did. And I was Brilliant. just like, I can't believe that somebody would even, you know, put this put this out there. And a lot of people were like, yeah, you just, you know what, that person's probably going to ask you in a couple of years. Are you still writing that? And, you know, they did apologise, but I, I just thought it was so bizarre. Like, I've never had anything like that while writing. And I, you know. But at least you knew you weren't alone and it was just a one-off. But uh, um, the final comment from Pat is also for you, Lara. She's really looking forward to reading your book about Boudicca. Oh, wonderful. Uh, I think a proof coffee should be flying out to California as soon as you finished it, all right? Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's, um, let's move on with tonight's show. Uh, I'm just going to dive in with Thomas Hardy. Come on, Leah. I can't use an opportunity of a new book about Thomas Hardy coming out and not sharing it. I've already got Holly excited about this book. Um, and I think, Lara, you will also enjoy it. This is a new, brand new book came out in the last couple of weeks by Paula Byrne. And it's called uh, Hardy Women, uh, Mother, Sisters, Wives and Muses. And the whole point of it is that uh, Hardy was brilliant at writing female characters. Well, given what we just said, interesting. Um, but he was absolutely rubbish at relating to women in real life. <laughs> um, so what she set out to do is to kind of investigate, I think it's about just over 70 different women, um, his wives, his sisters, so family, and... 
various people over his life who influenced him, trying to see where some of the characters like the amazing Bathsheba Everdeen in Far From Madding Crowd, uh, Tessa the D'Urbervilles, um, and, you know, there's some amazingly strong women in Hardy's uh, writing. So she does this. I, I'm. Well, it's a big book, all right, folks? It's a big book. Um, but I'm about a tenth of the way in. The way she's written it is uh, probably four or five page chapters on each of the, the 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 women, or at least a theme, are based around, them. and it, it's it, it's really wide ranging. It not only does it cover real women in his life, you know, relatives, but it's uh, one chapter's looking at um, how his mother used to share lots of stuff about folklore with him, and how that sort of weaved its way into into the books. Um, another one about uh, how he was fascinated with. Uh, crime and punishment so you know particularly um, uh, he was particularly well probably had PTSD from uh, um, sort of uh, I don't know if he witnessed a hanging but certainly the people talking about a hanging um, and so there's stuff like that in there but I okay this, the story I really want to share is about his mother who came from a her father was abusive and alcoholic, and I think she ended up being a servant in the big house. At a very young age, it was almost a sort of alternative to the care system, you know, get your kids out as quick as you can, and, and hopefully they don't get beaten up as well. So she had quite a tough upbringing. Um, and then, uh, you know, Hardy comes along uh, as a child and remembered that... Uh, one of uh, his mo mother, one of his aunts, um, his mother's sister, uh, turned up um, with bruises and looking a bit battered and having had a hard time. And uh, she and her sister, um, Hardy's mother and her other sister, uh, then set off down to Poddletown, a couple of miles away, and visited the husband knocked on the door and said, what's going on? And beat him to the level where he was begging for mercy and promised never to beat his wife again. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> so we're talking really strong women. Um, and I'm only a tenth of the way in. Uh, it's just it's just a brilliant, brilliant book. Um, you know, I, don't, I think it's very hard to rescue Hardy from how he treated particularly his first wife towards the end of her her life um, but it's fascinating that she's sort of delving into that psychology so um, even though it's a long book you have to get out there and read it definitely you have to read it Holly <laughs> I have recently I feel like you reading this now is like perfect timing on a very selfish note because I just had to read Return of the Native for my degree. Oh, I and love that. <laughs> he's, so, he's so good at writing drama. Like, he's yeah. so good at gossiping. So I'm really, like like you're saying about female characters, I was really surprised by, like, the depth put in in that book. So, I yeah, I would be very intrigued to read that. Not only because the cover's amazing, but it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the I know you can't see the cover. I, again, I'll put this on our bookshelf, but um, it, it's done in such a brilliant way, sort of uh, like a torn page. So you see the image of Florence, his second wife, and Emma, his first wife, and then sort of Hardy's appearing just on the right um, in a slightly subservient place, which um, I don't think he'd like that. 
well, I'm delighted. <laughs> because I remember Paul actually said we're gonna we're gonna pick a biography and we, we picked a Thomas Hardy biography. And what did we all say, Paul? Nobody likes Thomas Hardy. Nobody would invite Thomas Hardy. <laughs> To a dinner party. So I think this is about time. Why shouldn't we mention the women yeah. that so heavily influenced his life? It is going to be fantastic to read. I'm looking forward to it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Did I bit about a hardy, anything hardy based in quite some time, to be quite honest? Well, that's, um, yeah, that was, uh, what was that? Claire Tomlin's um, Thomas Hardy, the t time torn man, I think it was. And she used his poetry to delve into his life and. Right. Um, yeah but you know whatever you say we've we've had this conversation before um because you can cancel very easily cancel classic fiction classic english literature can't you um by saying in a minute i might be mentioning a book about george orwell and he too was pretty awful to women um but actually would we then kick 1984 into touch and never read it no, I don't think we should do that, but it's very good to take a balanced view and actually say, yeah, okay, Thomas Hardy wasn't great and didn't relate to women or treat them particularly well in his real life, but then he was still a great writer and, you know, um, it's it's finding that balance, isn't it? I think as well as the a few people often like go with, and which is effective for certain things, is like the whole death of the author like you can separate the art from the artist which I'm not saying yeah. I agree with that or I don't but like that's the thing some people believe but I also think that if some like controversial figures actually like looking into the context and like looking as to how that informed their work is maybe especially like maybe just doing an English lit degree I find that so really useful especially if you have like a problematic text like just yeah. ignoring the author and like the problematic things they do it it leaves something from the reading like it's best to like address it and think like well, well right how could their views of like how could Thomas Hardy's like misogyny how could that have like impacted the way he wrote and how does that come out in interesting ways and I think you get a new level of like depth from it I think it's a really interesting like tension between like what do you ignore because you don't want to like you don't want to glorify anything and you don't want to give attention to things but you don't want to ignore the, the horrible things that you did either so I think it's really it's an interesting like line yeah, see, well, yeah, we could talk about this for a long time. It's interesting because you use the word misogyny. I, I would actually say if Thomas Hardy were here now, he'd say he loved women. Um, and I think he genuinely liked women. He just didn't know how to relate to them. And then it come, came out in a... I wouldn't, yeah, it's really interesting. It is really interesting. I totally I agree. Say, I don't actually, I only, I only said that because I was picking up vibe from you. But I don't, I don't really know anything about, I think I, I remember the book that you're talking about that you had to read. I remember thinking, thank God I'm not reading that right now. I'm very intrigued now. I think I remember reading, like watching a documentary about Charles, not Charles Darwin, Charles Dickens and having mm. a similar, like, Oh my gosh, these people are not good people, and it make it's really like interesting. Um, using names a lot today. I was on a, in a seminar and I was talking about Avatar the movie, and I accidentally called James Cameron David Cameron. <laughs> oh, oh my God! Avatar would be a completely different movie if David Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go away and make that one. No, no, don't, no, don't, don't. Yeah, okay. Well, we, I think we'll just leave that 
out there um and uh, go away and read hardy women it's getting rave reviews by the way um this book but also go and read thomas hardy that's that's uh, uh what i suggest um so what about you guys uh, what anything you particularly want to highlight uh, no holly come on you must have been reading some interesting stuff at, uh, at uni um i have been i mean i'm talking um before like I like I said before I've been reading a lot of like sci-fi books and I've been doing a module at the moment that's um it's like literature environment literature ecology oh my gosh sorry literature <laughs> ecology and capital is what it's called and so I'm reading quite a lot of like more modern books on it so it's really interesting I, I've recently read The Beach by Alex Garland that was really interesting mm. um and a lot of stuff like that um but I've also been reading a lot of like cozy fantasy stuff as well well like listening to it and like audiobooks um as we talked about before and it's interesting I want to say like when you're talking about um this, choosing the narrator over maybe like the author like what the book is hmm. I realized I had like a revelation that I'm listening like I had listened to this one called bookshops and bone dust which is just like a really it's a really great book I really recommend it if you just want something fun and I I don't know why it took me so long to twig that the guy who is narrating it is the author and I've never it, I don't know why it made me it just seemed like a really cool thing and I don't I'd be really intrigued to see how many authors because I think he did voice work before because he's like a very good voice person if that mm, makes sense. Mm, but mm. I thought that was that was just like a little interesting thing I wonder how that changes it but, um yeah I've mostly been reading kind of I feel I don't want to just go through the list of what I've read because I feel like it's all very basic like Shakespeare and stuff like that but um <laughs> I, am I love that. <laughs> Very basic, like Shakespeare. Yeah. He's really, yeah. He's really cool, but yeah. I've got I've got a question for you. Talking about sort of fantasy, um, there, there's a word that it seems to have emerged in the last month or so. Um, I'm just trying to think of the name of the really, really big fantasy writer. Sarah Maas, is it? Does that oh, ring yes, a bell? Okay, yeah. yeah. And oh, this. Court of Thorn and Roses. I think it is, but this word romanticy seems to, and I mean, what a horrible word. Um, how do you take that? If you've if you've been listening to quite a lot of fantasy, would that just it just it just sounds like an awful way of putting people off and attracting a, a big audience from a particular group, but putting loads of other people off, don't you? I think it's a big. It's. I think it's definitely got a link to like how hashtagable that. Like, I don't know anything about this, so this is me just kind of, like, spewing mm. now. Mm. But I think it's probably because fantasy and romance are quite big genres on TikTok. And I think that, like, there's a, a tendency to kind of, especially online and on, like, on BookTok, really focus on genre. Because I suppose that is, like, if a lot of people like romance and you're, like, advertising, this is romance, it's a great way to get people to come in. And so instead of, like, having that little, like, romanticy thing is a very, like, you click on the hashtag and you'll be led to a bunch of other stuff as well. So it's like, I'm really, I'm really torn on this because at one hand, I do think the phrase does not sound great. Mm. But on the other hand, if that is a way that people are reading more and then buying books True. and contributing to the publishing industry, I think it's good. I think I'm, as much as there is like a massive rise at the moment of like books that are like just romance books, and there's yeah. like a big, and sometimes it is like, it is a shame that there's so, it seems to be like if a book, sometimes online, it's like if a book doesn't have romance in it, it's not some like young people, like it's not worth reading. But like beyond just a personal preference, some people kind of like don't care about it. But I feel like the majority, some people just like romance books. And I think too many people are kind of mocked for having a preference. And I think that even though it might not be, it might be like more 
geared towards like say like young adults especially like young women mm. a lot of young women are usually mocked for stuff they like so I think as I'm even though it's not something that I, I don't really read romance it always makes me happy seeing the uptake in because there's like a lot of those books in bookshops and it's like great people are buying them I mean there's more people are reading and there's more money going in so they can invest in like a wide range of you know different new authors and stuff so Sorry, that kind of got on a bit of a tangent, but it's just made me, a lot of my friends who read now, they really read romance and they might not be big readers, but they always like to pick up some romance books. And I think that's nice that that, you know. I think Holly's making a really good point here, especially when I started, when I was like, oh, wow, I can actually read books and do that as a th career thing that I started doing recently. That is a big thing. Like I, when when picking out a book, I will get sent a list. And, and that term did come up recently. And I was like, number one, sounds terrible, but okay, I can sort of see why they're using that. as Because it's being used as a hashtag primarily. I, I don't think anybody would ever describe it, like, you know, as a thing. And as as for romance, and the, you know, there are countless times where I read a book and I remember getting really annoyed with one of my friends because they'd made all the marketing for The Hunger Games about romance. And I was like, mm. in a lot of this, it says, you know, Katniss doesn't need any of these characters. And if you've read this completely different, to try and get people in. And in a way, that is a double-edged sword. Yeah. You want more people engaging, but you want them to get the actual content. So I think in a way, I think I think I would say as a hashtag, fine, Lara gives it a million thumbs up. Okay, whatever. You know, if you want to put it into book talk or, or Instagram or whatever, fantastic. But it just sounds a bit strange. But you know, if it's if it's tied in. Lara, I... sa Lara says encourage, but I wouldn't use that in a permanent sentence without feeling ill. So it, it probably won't. It probably won't last very long. I mean, it might. It, like many hashtags, it'll probably last for a, maybe six months a year or whatever. I, but yeah, uh, but both of you have um, made me think you're absolutely right. And I've often said this. You know, if you manage to draw in people to start reading or or reading more effectively or finding the things they absolutely love to read then you know why not why not um i i can i can live with the fact that it sounds absolutely awful um but uh... so it gets so complex like every time we have a discussion like this like i that's really interesting what you said lara about like the hunger games being marketed mm. in a very specific way because i remember that that stuff annoys me too and it's like it's a very fine line between like letting people like what they like and also overemphasizing things to the point where you could like muddle other things. But yeah, I, it always reminds me of the one episode we had when we talked about like genre in bookshops. And I swear I get reminded of it every episode we do, but it's just like, you really realize how important genre is to like, mm. obviously this is really stupid to say how important genre is to the publishing industry. Cause like, obviously, but I don't know. It, I feel like definitely recently. Well, I, 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 yeah, I wasn't going to mention this, but now you now you've brought up genre. Um, so I went to see a, a really really good film. You need to go and see this film if you love books. If you're interested in publishing American fiction, it's a, a really really good film. It won um, it won a BAFTA, I think, for the best adapted novel. Um, so I uh, I've looked up the author who's written about thirty odd books. I think his name. I'm going to get his name wrong. Uh, I, I won't say his name because I'm going to get it wrong. But anyway, it is it is a novel, and I will put his name up on the uh, uh, show notes. We'll see. <laughs> but anyway, American fiction. So the premise of it is this is a, a black writer, American writer, who writes literary, bravely writes literary fiction 
because that's his uh, his muse and his art and that's what he's going to do and no one's going to read it but you know that's what i do um and his agent is kind of saying well you know we need a we need the next great black novel you know we need come on you need to write this yeah and then uh he i, I can't remember what triggers it but he he comes across an author who is writing black gangster fiction american gangster fiction you know basically like a novel full of rap and swearing and whatever and he thinks okay okay i'm going to show the, the these publishers up for for what they are you know it's all just gimmicks and whatever so he writes the gangster novel um gives it to his agent thinking the agent will go oh come on you can't it can't be serious this isn't proper literature uh, and the agent says oh wow this is amazing all my readers have said you've got to we've got to get it out there and it goes absolutely massive <laughs> to the point where he, he's um he is a i've got to be careful with this i might give too much away but basically it's almost got a a, a life of his own that people think he's written it from prison and that he is this gangster and and he keeps throwing things in thinking this will stop it this will stop it it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the movie rights start coming out it just a wonderful film um it made me laugh a lot even though it deals with uh some pretty serious issues in places uh but it would it showed up the american publishing industry or parts of it for what what it can be you know let's go for the next thing oh this is great isn't it you know emperor's new clothes type thing you know however if the lots of people are reading the stuff and it draws people to books well can we criticize it Hey, yeah, there we go. See, I didn't think I'd go there tonight. What a far-ranging discussion we've had. <laughs> Lara, I know that um, if I ask you what are you reading, you can't resist talking about Les Miserables, and we, I promised we wouldn't talk about it, but I think we should celebrate that you've got to over 900 pages of Les Miserables. Oh, thank you, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think they'd definitely get a gold star for that. Um, uh, I'm, I'm in about the same place as you, and uh, I think we said enough last time. <laughs> Are you reading anything else um, particularly grabbing you at the minute? I just finished um bob gilbert's the missing missing musk which is basically it's a it was caught my eye his beautiful floral cover and it said a case book of mystic mysteries mysteries from around the world and it's basically saying about all these beautiful plants and they just stop smelling one day mm. and this guy is just like he's curious about because he's, he's gone all over the world and all these wonderful fragrances are suddenly gone and he's like well this is a mystery you know i've got to find out what's going on here what and it's it's like it's a detective story it's myth and it, it was just something that caught my eye in the library and i just really enjoyed it and i just loved the fact that somebody one day went what is going on with this why isn't it you know yeah anymore and it was just a it's a series of essays and you would think oh this the thing about essay writing is it can be really magical and engaging or it can be really really dry mm. and i i was really hoping that i wouldn't pick up this book and think within the first 10 pages oh holy crap i've just fallen for a couple <laughs> And, it, you know, this this is going to be, but no, it's absolutely brilliant. And, I mean, this is the sort of book that you probably could have answered in probably a few pages, but he just keeps the story going and he weaves you to all these places and all these people mm. that he's met about the natural. And he's just 
really really enthusiastic and he's an amateur which i i know a lot of people say oh i don't like the word amateur but the word amateur means to love to love something and he really does with every little fiber of his tiny little heart like i would hug this man (laughs) (laughs) i love you you're exceptional another another writer and i'm gonna give a shout out to waterstones wrexham uh, so Claire does beautiful displays, which are, you know, for years and years of books that she's read. And there was an author called C.G. J. Cook who wrote a book called The Lighthouse Witches. Mm. I loved that book. I'd never read any C.J. Cook. And I saw that the nesting was available. And it's all about, it's more of like, it's like a gothic thriller. And basically it's very modern, but also very chilling. And it's all about this house in Norway. There is a father and he wants to finish this amazing environmental home that he's building. But unfortunately, this is sort of a double edged sword, really, because it's where he's lost uh, a wife. And I won't give too much away, but it's it is really creepy. There's a lot of mystery. There's hidden identities. There's a lot going on in it and it's the sort of thing that you, you kind of turn the light on it you know when off at night and you go oh my god <laughs> this could actually happen you know uh, and it, it, it's wonderful but she's up she you know she's an award-winning poet as well she's a creative writing teacher which is is amazing it's all about mental health and how we live our lives and how one of our main characters decides that the life she's living isn't the life she wants so she decides i'm gonna take somebody else's and, and see how that unfolds uh, but yeah i would thoroughly recommend cj cook is absolutely amazing creepy fun atmospheric everything you could ever want in a book and it's also got a bit of nordic sort of folk tale mm. and ghost story to it as well so it's not just the real people but also the other people that are not there and how are they trying to sort of bleed through into the the regular life so would recommend that book immensely it's not les miserables so you know it's got a lot going for it (laughs) i'm going to chuck um one in i think i mentioned uh i think i mentioned the little gray men i think just this is the wombles and moomins where we went last time um and i don't think we anticipated going to wombles and moomins last time but around that time i gone back to a book that's been it's a beautiful book but it's beautiful cover i think illustrated by the author yeah um so this is little gray men and his pen name is bb um his real name is uh dennis watkins pitchford and he was a uh school teacher in rugby school uh, private school and it has to be said he very much is of his era sort of that sort of 1930s 40s 50s public school british you kind of know what you're getting so it goes back to what we were saying about don't necessarily kick the author out because you probably wouldn't have actually wanted to sit down and uh, you know women had their place i have a feeling he would have said but um, anyway the little gray men is about three gnomes that live in the wood and they're some of the last gnomes in existence um in england uh i'm just trying to find what their names are fantastic names this sneezewort bald money and dodder um dodder's got a wooden leg um, and uh, they set off on a quest, or at least 
uh, sneeze water and bald money uh, go off on a quest and Dodder is the grumpy one and says oh that's ridiculous you can't go up the river um, and so they go in search of their lost uh, colleague who disappeared the year before and he went off up the river and had never been seen again it is a bit like wombles and the moomins and you know little gray men in the wood but the thing is i was just blown away by this book yes there is misogyny in it and very sort of uh, old attitudes to things but there are a few things that came out of it one is nature writing but a bit like you've just been talking about uh, lara it's as good as nature writing as I've read uh, in the current stuff that's coming out at the moment, even though it's about little grey men. But his observation of nature and the English countryside and very particular things, um, the, the birds and otters and the change of the seasons and all those things. And the other thing is he could have made it a very... Uh, you know, it's a quest and little men going up the river and they get into danger. I actually felt quite stressed for the uh, little gnomes. Um, you know, they get uh, the, the, this beautiful boat that they make gets swept away into a water mill um, and they get attacked by, I can't remember what animal attacks it, fox, I think. And you're thinking, it, it's really visceral. However... They also kill themselves. I mean, we're not talking about a nice, gentle little children's fantasy novel. Um, although it is marketed, uh, it was a puffin book when it first came out, and um, it is marketed to children. And I, there were bits of it I thought, oh, okay, I'm not so sure. Um, and I'm off to find out more about Dennis Watkins Pitchford because I think his understanding of... Um, the countryside and nature. It's something I want to read more of. Um, but, uh, well, Pat Bracewell, if you're listening, I'm not entirely sure you're going to um, find synergy with the Little Grey Men as you will do with the Wombles and uh, uh, and the Moomins because I think the Little Grey Men are slightly more... got a slightly more hard edge. But then we get all soppy about nature sometimes and it's actually quite hard, a hard life out there in the uh, natural world and we sometimes forget that and I, I, I'm going to have a little rant now just get this off my chest I can barely watch anything now on television I used to love nature programs I can barely watch it now because they have music that goes along with virtually everything and making it all sort of plinky plonky oh look and now they're going to do this and now they're going to do that no i don't need that to show us the animals doing what they're doing in the wild i don't need the lovely music which has been beautifully created but it's unnecessary there i feel better now <laughs> and okay get this i think um uh, BB would have liked this. Whilst walking in Ervig, our, our local fantastic bit of greenery, um, uh, National Trust property with a wider parkland, just the other day, walking along, and what do you hear? But frogs going, and I thought, have we ended up in Mississippi or something? Because you don't hear frogs doing that much in, in this country, do you? And they're in a puddle. A big puddle were about 50 frogs actually spawning. Have you ever seen that? 
Have you ever seen that? I mean, it's just extraordinary. They were just, I mean, you know, look, let's let's cut to the chase here. This is frog sex. Um, um, but I have never seen frogs actually producing the frog spawn and um, they were all completely off their heads. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. And I didn't need plinky plonky uh, television music to to just be amazed by it. OK, I must stop ranting now. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think there is a risk with some of the nature writing that you can make it too um, anthropomorphic. No, that's maybe not the word. Um, yeah, yeah, I think y you can you can turn animals into storytellers. Uh, and, you know, there is a place for that. The Wind in the Willows definitely has a place. But if you're writing a, a book about nature, you need to be realistic about um, the environment and I kind of want a flavour of what it's really like. Don't um, give me a large dose of sugar with it. Oh my god! Really interesting, like <laughs> a very cool run, and it's because I'm doing an environmental module at the moment. I had like a weird that like that issue of like how do you write about nature without kind yeah. of like just like doing a very human point of view of it and like writing over what it actually is. And I have a weird obsession with owls, and I've had a question the last couple of days. It's like if I was to write say like a little like a little mini story from the point of view of an owl how would you just as like an exercise how would you go about doing that because it's is it it's not as simple as just like oh right what they see it's like how would you kind of like emulate that I got down a really deep rabbit hole on what on earth an owl would do and like the coins it was just a whole messy thing but it makes you realize just how like it, can you actually ever really understand an animal point of view but is is the purpose of like you can still be very close to animals and like respect them without being like, I totally understand exactly how they think. Because like, I don't think that, that maybe you can never actually truly no. know, but the goal surely isn't to just be like, I know everything, which is what social humans always want to do. But I don't know, it's just, that's really cool. Cause I've been like pondering that very weird, like philosophical question for a couple of days. No, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I mean, there are some brilliant writers at the, um, I'm just trying to think of the name of the, uh, the, the well, the, there was an original book called The Peregrine, um, and that was written by someone who observed the peregrine for years, you know, in the same place at the same time. And, and, and many people say that's as near as you could get uh, getting into the feathers and flying as a peregrine because he actually closely observed absolutely every aspect of this the, these peregrines lives um i mean just think about an owl i mean obviously an owl was a big threat to the little gray men you know amazing predator um the fact that you could almost turn your head in 360 degrees you've got those incredible eyes i mean you can't even start to imagine what it would be like can you uh, well you can I wish I could. I think owls are so. I've literally probably got like twenty various. I've got an owl photograph next to me right now. Just. Like, <laughs> little artwork of one. But, I mean, what I'm thinking now is as humans, like we're that's what we're, we're just like. Oh wow, the owl, this incredible creature. If I was a small rodent, my perspective would be completely different. Can, can we? I think Holly's got a valid point. Is like when we talk about nature, you see it in a lot of these like nature programs, and you get like zookeepers, and they go, "Oh, you know, it really annoys me when someone's like, hey, I think the bear looks cuddly.'" <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it will rip your face <laughs> you off. <laughs> you know, they, what they do, and you think, so, would I run the risk? You know, <laughs> but it's the factual information. When do we get to the point where is it possible? Well, I believe it is possible. There are plenty of nature writers that can blend in that fact, but also gives. But it is our perspective. You know, it's like we will never know what it's like to be one of these creatures. We will never know. They have a, you know, we have a different language, a different system, and anything that we kind of push onto them really is is sort of our our perspective in a way. Like, what would that be like? And it, it's really interesting that you're both talking about that because I think it's a thing where sometimes you pick up a nature book and it is that pure factual, mm. or it is more of a sort of like. A, a version that you read and you feel okay I didn't learn anything I just felt like we'd put some some qualities on a creature and then tried to act accordingly which is not accurate towards that creature or even our own experience so I, I think it's a very good point that you two have raised like how do we do that how do we make that merge and to be honest I mean Holly once you write that you know you've got to share it with us right yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely got to share it with us yeah, yeah 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 it's really that's such a good like what you're saying about it's all about perspective I think maybe the the way the best way to like really like get as, as close as you can in like little marks there um to like writing like like an animal is kind of to be very aware of your own limitations because like I really found that in Sheila like like Kayla Gwynn her like the way she writes about nature it's I found it really really interesting and it felt like kind of she embraced the fact that like the way she she wrote like the, the bad guy in that Davidson who's like a really evil capitalist man who wants to like ruin everything she's like he she found inspiration for that character from within herself and I think her writing is so powerful because she's she's aware that she's comes from this like you know what I mean she's aware of her human perspective and mm -hmm. so she kind of writes yeah. in a way that I think lets the the animals in the nature have a life of their own and I found that with Mary Oliver as well like yeah. I'm reading upstream at the moment and the way that she's like is it like you're saying about how the paragraph was just kind of like viewed over a period of time it's her like watching and appreciating animals not trying to like pretend she's a fox maybe she does that later in the book I haven't finished it yet so sorry if that's like <laughs> not true but it was that sort of like respectful like watching that felt way closer like of a connection than if she pretended to be a fox not surface level but almost that just focusing on like the connection uh, yeah. yeah I don't know that's have you have funny. you read the chapter about the spider yet? No, I keep I'm very excited for yeah. it. I'm on I think I've read one of the like chapters of part two. Um I'm only like forty pages in, but the, the bit about the foxes, I really loved the the section about the foxes. That was brilliant. And like how she wove her own experience in like separate paragraphs and then the fox's experience. That was just beautiful. I've never yeah. read anything like that before. And I was very skeptical of it being like a collection of essays. But it's so beautiful. It's it's yeah. a genius book. Well, and and honestly, the 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 spider is just. It's I mean it, it it's very hard to beat that for for um if you want to categorise it as nature writing, it goes way beyond that. Um, but uh, oh my word, I I didn't know we were going to get into this tonight, but there we are. Yeah, I'm look. Um, as always, we could talk for at least another couple of hours, but uh, I'm going to wrap this one up tonight. Um, and uh, thank you both for well, another inspirational discussion. You know, we'll we'll we're, we'll carry on doing this, folks. And um, uh, I'm I'm sure Pat in California will be coming back to us <laughs> on this. And if you do need uh, feel the need to get in touch with us, uh, do go to info at bookalicious.com. Um, 
and we're still talking about uh, nurturing our social media sites but we, you know we're out there on instagram and facebook and you can communicate with us that way as well and uh, that's it really all i've got uh, left to say is i think our next episode will be with paul clifton um uh, local wrexham poet uh, and look forward to uh, you coming along and listening to us again and we love the fact that you listen to this podcast and uh, thank you uh, Lara and Holly um, until next time wish you all happy reading Music.